All right, everybody. Exciting announcement. Years ago, I interviewed a gentleman named Joseph Sheehy, and he started a company called Cured Nutrition, who we have partnered with. We partnered with them because I love him, I love his mission, and I love what Cured has created. So Cured has products that have been designed with the intention to support all aspects of the daily human experience, whether you are looking for clean natural energy, relief from your everyday discomforts or anxieties, or a reset button for your deep night's sleep, which on that note is one of my favorite products. They have a sleep bundle that I really, really love. Uh, They have nightcaps and Zen, which are great, great, great for sleep. So they have a bunch of different products. They have functional mushrooms, CBD products. Most of their products are CBD based. They have gut health products. They have some really, really incredible stuff. So head on over to curednutrition.com forward slash Mantox and you'll get 20% off all of their products. Again, it's curednutrition.com forward slash Mantox. And please go check them out. It goes a long way in supporting the show. We have been very, very intentional. I've been running this podcast for eight years, and we've been very intentional about who and when we bring on partners. And so if you've been tuning into the show for a brief amount of time or a long time, please go check them out. Again, cured, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com forward slash Mantox. All right, my anonymous man, my anonymous guest, how are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing okay. Uh, I've been through it's been a rough year and um coming up kind of a, a bit of a, a roller coaster emotionally, feeling a little low, a little like uh, life's beat me down a bit. You know, that's kind of why why I'm here, you know, to kind of dig into that. So life's beat me down. Is that a new thing or is that a is that a familiar experience for you very familiar okay yeah all right yeah so maybe before we get into that to the best of your capacity just say what you're hoping to get out of this session yeah i think knowing that there's a lot in my life that i can't control and i certainly don't want to be feel the victim how can i have a little more agency, I guess, of myself. And I, I think I've come a long way with work that we've done in the past, being part of the Alliance, but wanting to get to that, I guess, that next level of self-direction and self-leadership, mm-hmm. right? Agency, especially when things are down, right? And that's kind of where I'm at. I've had a bunch of hits, you know, no, no big life-threatening things, no huge things, but but quite a few things that disappointments, whatever, that that have beaten me down a little bit. And so how can I rise above that, I suppose? And so, you know, my concern is that it, the, when those things happen, it takes me down to a very familiar place of shame, grief, not good enough, inadequacy, you know, feeling like a failure, like those kinds of things. And I hate that feeling. I don't avoid it as much as I used to. I know I need to kind of work through it, but it's a really hard thing to feel. And I guess the ability to manage through those tough times, I think in essence, I think would be a good focus. Mm. So you hate what feeling? You hate feeling what? Like failure. Like I'm Uh feeling the people, um, my wife and my son, worried about the future. Can I continue to provide for them? You know, as my son gets ready for high school, and, you know, retired might, might come and, you know, can I keep the money coming in? A lot of it, unfortunately, does come back to that. And then in addition, there are other things like, am I 
being the right role model, like that kind of thing. So that feeling of everything I do doesn't seems to not turn out right, that I'm not good enough, that it's this do loop kind of thing. So it's, it's that feeling that no one thing will trigger it, but when a handful of things happen, all of a sudden I start identifying with those things and it's sometimes hard to get out of. I think I've heard you say the doom loop before. For, for the people that are listening, I, I have a little bit of context for this individual. So not a, not a ton, but a little bit of context. And so you've used the word doom loop. I think I've heard you say that before, write it before. Tell me what the doom loop is for you, because I think a lot of people will probably resonate with that. I think that for me, I tend more, or my head lives, and we've mentioned this before, is either in this place of, as my wife calls it, magical thinking, right? So everything's going to be okay. Everything's great, right? Or the opposite, or like the world is falling apart. Now, it might not be quite as extreme, but it feels like much of my head is in one of those two places. And it's not in the middle presence place where I know it needs to be. And I certainly do the practices to get it there. It's just not there enough. And so when I'm up at this high and this sort of things will be great, what lives in that place also is expectation, right? I'm pitching a client, I'm getting involved in something social and thinking, oh, he's going to be my next best friend. Again, I'm exaggerating a bit. Or this client, you know, is going to come through with a big project as an example. And then when those things don't happen or they're delayed, it starts me really uh, questioning myself. And that, that's kind of where it comes from. And then if another couple of things happen, like an issue with my son and he's struggling with school or things like that, um, I might take a little personally, oh, I didn't provide the right sort of role model for him. It's this spiral, you know? So one thing leads, again, it's usually not one or two things, but when two, three, four, five things happen and some of them are the big boulders, it takes me down and it's really hard for me to lift myself back up. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So... Here's what I'm hearing a little bit of. I'm going to try and condense this down because I think part of the challenge that maybe sometimes you face is that everything looks and feels and sounds very big and complicated and, and overwhelming. And I want to try and compress some of what you're talking about down to its essence a little bit, okay? And and just give us some common terminology. So what, what just... I'm just going to pause. What just happened there when I said what I said, because I could tell that that kind of hits you. For sure. Yeah. I think it's the, um, you know, just to put a couple more, so it's the lack of reality, I guess, and lack of perspective. And I, I do think that I've made progress. I would say a year or two when I was in this similar place, I'd have, I think they were almost like panic attacks. You know, I could feel myself mm -hmm. almost shaking. And certainly I have a hard time sleeping when these things happen. I just wake up in the middle of the night and I know it's that this anxiety is just bubbling up. Usually I don't have as hard a time falling asleep, but staying asleep. I don't know if that's age or whatever, but it's there because it's an unresolved thing I know. And so I face it more than I used to, but yes, feeling of overwhelmed, feeling like I just can't manage this life. I'm not an adult enough. I don't have the right mm. time. So yeah, again, that's so I'm agreeing. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, there, there's a number of things in there, but I think I'll, I'll just stick with the path <clears throat> that I was going down. So here's what I want you to do before I say what I'm going to say. I, I just want you to take a nice deep inhale. Exhale. And take another one of those and let the breath just drop into your core. 
and exhale from your lower abdomen. And just take one more of those. So really connecting into the body and exhale. Good. So I'm going to try and condense it down. You tell me if this fits, okay? So it sounds like what you're saying is, my world's not okay, and it's my fault. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's my fault, and I can't control it. All these things are happening to me, mm-hmm. and there's not much I can do about it. And so anything I try is futile. Yeah. So we're going to add, we're going to add on the last piece, right? So my world's not okay. It's my fault and I'm helpless to fix it. Yep. Yep. Okay, good. So just take a breath in and then say what that's been like. Say what it's like for you to hear that, to hear me condense it into that clear and concise form and, and what, what it's been like. Um, it feels very true. Again, it doesn't feel like that all the time. You know, when things are going okay, I'm a little bit on top of the world and those kinds of feelings don't creep in. But, but, but when things aren't, it, it feels very true. It's, it's hard, you know, it just, it just feels like I've got no control over things and things are just mm-hmm. spinning without me. Like control is too strong, but, but, but managing, you know, being on top of being, you know, in charge, in charge of self-directed, you know, self-led, like all those things that we've talked about. I get them conceptually and I've done some of the work, but I'm not there yet, you know, so. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. So there's a, there's this sort of pervasive feeling of, I feel inadequate to change things, to alter them, to sort of fix how my life looks. Yeah. And I, and I would even say, Connor, that when things are, are okay and I don't have those feelings, there's still that undercurrent. It's kind of like I'm biding time because the, the bad will come. It's just a matter of time. And I want to learn to manage it when I'm doing okay. But it is a little bit like when things are okay. I'm using that as a general statement. I'm almost like a different person. And, and, and in fact, my, my wife has pointed out when I don't have work, as an example, um, and I don't think I'm this, I'm not like angry. I'm not yelling, but I'm, I'm more quiet. I'm more distant. I think I'm faking it, but I know I'm not. And she says, like, you're just not as pleasant to be around, you know? Mm. And so I'm hearing that and she's right. And I have, and to that point, I feel I don't have control over that because when I'm there, I can fake it. I can do all the things, but I still have that weight. So, mm-hmm. so my, my worth and my value is contingent on what your worth and your value is contingent on what most specifically and most tangibly it's making enough money to be to be a little crass but yeah it's just it's a lot and i'm not a materialistic money guy but when i don't have it or when i don't think it's coming things get a little scary so yeah no no no. so here's here's the thing where i just want to pause on this because i think this is really important and i think it's so common I think that oftentimes society and culture under indexes or underestimates the pressure of being the the primary sole breadwinner of the house, right? Mm-hmm. And and ensuring the financial security of the family system and ensuring that rent or mortgage is paid, food's on the table, kids can go to school and do extracurricular activities, 
clothes can be bought and that kind of, it's a very real pressure. And the Mm -hmm. challenge, my friend, is that for a lot of people, money is one of those quote unquote relationships or one of those things that can evoke our childhood stuff. Let's just put it that way. Not trauma, not whatever, just childhood shit generally. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'm going to say, okay? Something happened for you early on in life. I'm talking early on in life. I'm going to get more specific in a second about time frame. But something happened for you earlier on in life that told you exactly what you've been telling me, which is, number one, my world's not okay. Number two, it's my fault. And number three, I'm helpless to fix or change it. That is not the adult version of you saying those things. That is the infant, the toddler, the child that experienced and went through something. And it doesn't have to, like, when I say this, I'm not saying there are some big acute trauma that we have to discover. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Um, Well, there might be, but there might be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There might be. Yeah. But it can be simpler than that, right? It can be. I was left alone for too long. You know, it can be I was neglected. It can be a divorce. It can be an affair. It can be, you know, there's sometimes it's these things that perceptually as adults, when we look back at them, we think, oh, that wasn't like, you know, that's, that stuff happens to everybody. You know, everybody's parents got divorced when they were two or everybody's mm-hmm. parents, you know, left them alone when they were, you know, however old. So something occurred either probably repeatedly, I would say, based on what you're saying that taught you that your world's not okay, you're, you're at fault for it, and that you're helpless to change it. So when I say that to you, what, what happens within your body? Well, it, it feels very true. Um, and I immediately, and I, I assume you remember, I immediately go back to the big trauma, which I just can't seem to escape, which is my mother passed when I was six. Mm-hmm. So that, and it was abrupt. She died of an aneurysm. It was very abrupt. Um, I was away from the house when it happened because she was in the hospital and I, couldn't be in the house or I was at friends. And then I was told at the friend's house and I can all, I can still remember that day. And it was like my world from that point on was different. Um, so there was that immediate big T trauma. And then the follow on, which was never really feeling that attachment with my father. You know, he tried, there's, there's a whole host issues. He was probably in the, him at his own self, a little emotionally immature. Um, and so I don't, I maybe, but he was, he was around, but I think certainly some neglect, some attachment wasn't there. All of those things, the things that you're saying resonate, I find very true. I wonder about the things that I don't know if I felt and maybe that it was my fault. I I don't think I ever felt that. Um, I do now (laughs) Mm -hmm. the situation I do now, I do feel like it is my fault that, you know, so yeah. So I, I, that clearly happened and it was never managed. It was never resolved. It was never really addressed. It was kind of avoided. And so it was always this lingering thing. And I think it's only in the last handful of years that I've been able to kind of face it. What wasn't addressed? What was avoided? What do you mean by that? The trauma. My, my mother was never, it was, we never spoke about her. My uh-huh. dad was a bit of a worrier. So like that whole growing up experience and again, I had seen therapists, but I don't think I was willing or able to get into it. And so I avoided it, didn't talk about it. Things are okay. So when did you see a therapist? How old were you? 
Well, actually, so the child situation was I developed schoolitis. I had a hard time staying in school. This is for second grade, you know, like fairly soon after it started. And my dad didn't know what to do. So he, we saw a therapist. I don't remember it being effective at all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't harmful, but I just remember playing games. Like, I don't remember having, yeah, I don't think I was able to keep again because of my age, I don't know what, but so I did see someone then. And then much later, I did go to a couple therapy with my wife, but I wasn't ready then. This was several years ago. Um, I don't think I was ready then either. So I was avoiding getting into it. And then about I don't know, five or so years ago, we were back um, for my son and it became clear that the issue was mostly with me mm-hmm. versus everyone else. And so that's where and other things were happening, job stuff. So my sort of perfect storm is like, and I finally opened, started to open my eyes to self-acknowledging, started reading books. I started down this path that we call, you know, and years later, you know, I found you, but, but I, I did do some therapy at the time with someone, but he didn't ask the questions you ask. He didn't seem to have the insight you have. So I was a little frustrated because we never got to shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 Very, very common, right? It's very common. Um, I don't know where I've written about this or said this, but I, I said there's a blessing and a curse that all men carry, which is that we're able to hide what we're actually experiencing. And in some places in our life that serves us, you know, that that served you for a period of time. And and now, you know, it's having this overwhelming effect where you can't hide those yeah. things anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Well, there's a number of ways that we could go about working on this. What I want to just reinforce is you know, first, what you experienced is is terrible. It's it's just brutal. I have a two and a half year old son, and you know, it almost brings me to tears to think about him losing his mom at six, and what he would experience. And I can almost see or picture you. You know, it sounds very vivid, and it sounds like something yeah. that deeply, deeply impacted you in that moment, mm-hmm. and. And not only did it deeply impact you, but my guess is that in that moment, not only did your mom die, but your family sort of died. For sure. Yeah. Like the structure of your family died. And yeah, in some ways I died. I mean, my, my life as I knew it, not that I remember that much, but, hmm. but yeah, I think I was always on edge, worried, you know, anxious and avoiding stuff more so after, but yeah, agreed. Stick with that for a moment when you say that, that I died. What, you know, what part of you or what aspect of you yeah. or how or how did you, do you feel like you died? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I very quickly developed some um, psychological challenges, right? Being worried that if I'm not home, something's going to happen, right? So there's this worry that something is going to happen, something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I've heard, you know, one reaction is to that is to be very diligent, right? My reaction was the opposite. In fact, that's, I think there lies some of my issues. If I don't enjoy it, if I find it boring, then I will avoid it. So I live in la la land. I worry and I live in la la land and I don't do the work, (laughs) you know, to that that's required studying about finances, like things like that, things that I could do, I suppose, to alleviate my situation, I don't do, or I might do for a bit and I lose interest 
and I don't, and maybe I have ADD. I don't know. That's how I reacted. And again, it's, it's either worrying about stuff or avoiding stuff and just acting like everything's okay. And well, let's know. put the ADD thing to the side for a moment, because I think yeah. it's hard to traverse some of those waters when there's, when there's something like this that hasn't been sort of dug into, you know? So my world's not okay. It's my fault. And I feel helpless. And there's nothing I can do about it. And helpless. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing I can do about that, it. The, I'm sorry, Connor, that the helplessness is that's the that's the tough one. Because mm-hmm. I'm a pretty action-oriented guy. I, I you know work out, I you know, follow my routines, all of that stuff. And so that feeling of of being alone, helplessness, that's about the worst feeling. Like it sucks and there's nothing I can do about it because it's not going st- to change anyway. That's the crux of the, you asked me before, like the part that really is difficult. It's, it's more than that, more of that than probably anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well you, well, you were helpless, right? When your mom passed, yeah. you were helpless. And, you know, I think the real heartbreaking aspect of when I listen to your story is that not only were you helpless, but you were alone with your helplessness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there wasn't actually someone, you know, dad really wasn't there as you're describing it to talk to you, support you. Not so much. You know, check in on you. He was sort of checked out with his own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just say what's, what's happening inside of you right now as we talk about this. Yeah, it's weird because I, in, in a weird way, I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I think it makes me think about my dad a little bit because he had a tough situation for sure. And I don't know if he could have done much different. And then somewhat related to that, there's sort of learned helpness, helplessness. I feel I got maybe a little bit from him. In some ways, he could be angry, but he could also become helpless. And so I'm nervous that it's like in my tissues <laughs> and back to the, there's nothing much I can do about it as much as I try. Um, those are the couple of things that come up for me. I guess just one other thing, and that is it's maybe a little unrelated, maybe not. Um, there's so much, and I, we shared this, I shared this before with you. There's so much that I want for me and my family. And at times I feel it's out my grasp at times, like when, when I'm doing a project with a client and I'm rocking it, it's just like, it's awesome. Like, oh my God, I can conquer the world. It doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. And it just gives me that taste. Like there's nothing you can't accomplish. Right. And then when I'm not there, it just, it just, there's this gap. And I don't know if what we're talking about is that thing that is forcing the gap. And then also related to that, and this has made me self-imposed, but I'm not young, you know, is it over for me? Mm. (laughs) You know, you know, is it just too late to, to do this stuff? And you know, I'm, I'm still tr- swinging the bat, but that's also a little bit in my head as well. So how old was your mom when she passed? 46. And how old are you? I'm fi- right now I'm 59. Okay. So I was six. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I don't want to linger on this too long, but what's it like to know that you outlived her, that, that you've sort of surpassed the time that she spent on, on the earth? Uh, I don't, it doesn't take me any place. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel good about it. I don't, it's, it's so distant for me. Yeah. It's because it happened such a long time ago. And even 46 was a long time ago for me. 
if you asked me back when I was 46, I might have a different answer, but I was so separated. I separated myself so much from that. I don't know if I could feel it. So I don't, I don't feel a lot, to be honest. You separated yeah. yourself so much from what? My childhood and the hurt uh-huh. for yeah. most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. We're, we're, I'm going to walk you through something here soon, but I just want you to say, you know, I think in some of the work that you've done, we've stirred up some of yeah. that connection. You know, we've made sure. some inroads to that part of your life. I just would love for you to say what that's been like in, in all earnestness. Yeah. Well, that's why I did the program. Um, a lot of it, you know, I, I did the program initially, you know, reading the book and a lot of it resonated. And in most particularly when I read the stuff about fathers, thinking about my father and probably more so thinking about my son and how can I be a um, father to him? And maybe I just haven't been present enough. So that's where it started. But I think when I started the program, I knew we were going to get into stuff and I wanted to. And so I don't have any reservations to any of that. It was hard when it happened. And it was definitely in a different environment than I ever thought I'd be myself. And I thought I'd be like in a one-to-one therapy situation and, you know, you know, maybe some psychedelics, whatever, but you know, the, the group thing was, you know, I, I'm a hider avoider. And so to be doing that with other men, I just never pictured myself doing that, but I think it was very beneficial. So yeah, it, it was, it was a positive thing, but it stirred things up. And as I think I mentioned, you know, for a while, I felt my heart was in my throat, right? That I could, you could look at me and I could start bawling. Mm-hmm. That was for like a month or two, maybe. Right. And then slowly after that, I felt a little bit more in control of that. You know, not a bad, not pushing it down, but I felt a little bit more like, you know, I, I, I pulled some things up and I'm, I'm facing some things. I don't feel as on, as sensitive as on edge. So I, I think it's all been good, but, but the other thing I mentioned is I don't know if I fully processed it, right? And, you know, it, and maybe a little bit of a side, but a quick example. So the first hot seat, <laughs> I think I did too, uh, which was tough. I immediately thereafter, I had to pick up my son from school and my, mm. my wife decided to go with me, which was, she usually never did, but I think we were doing something that night. And so the guys were dinging me on chat, right? And I'm driving and she's like, what's going on? You know, I, I said, well, I was, I just did a session. I was in the hot seat. And she says, well, it's about time. And so, so she's been through therapy. She believes in it. You know, she's all about the men's group thing. She's not sure about because she believes more in traditional therapy, but, but I was clammed up. I was just so frozen and that would have been the time to process it. But unfortunately she was not the avenue to do it. And I knew she wouldn't be. And it's just an example, but the point is that the stuff was stirred up, but I don't think it was metabolized. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I wasn't, it wasn't avoided, but I need to do something with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, so I think that we started to unearth some of the stuff we're talking about, but it's sitting there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not in the shadows anymore, but it's also not in the light. It's somewhere in between, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. In a liminal space. Yeah. So exactly. I love that word. Yeah. So we'll, I'll just reinforce, I think just based on the conversation that we're having, I think it'd probably be good for us to do, you know, probably two more of these sessions. Yeah, I, I figured. Because I I'm appreciate gonna, not rushing because um, that's an issue that I've had with therapists in the past. Like, oh, uh-huh. your time's up and it's like, we just got into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's, here's what I'll say. There's sort of three parts 
to what I think needs to happen. All right. Mm. And, and, you know, sometimes it's nice, you know, you've talked about, I feel like sometimes I'm lacking this direction. And sometimes I feel like, you know, I haven't known what the quote unquote work looks like or what I actually need to do. And so sometimes it's nice for us to just hear, here's the direction that we actually need to go. Here's where we're going to go. Yeah. So there's three parts to what I think is important. And then there's other pieces that we'll leave for after, but here's the three parts. Number one is the grief for the loss of mom. It doesn't sound like you actually ever had the space, place, or opportunity as a young boy to grieve the fact that as a child, you lost your mom. And that's devastating. Number two is the grief for you as a boy to connect to the empathy of what it's like, what it was like to have lost your tether in the world, your safety, your nurturing, your what sounds like was your real attachment you know, your primary attachment, you, your place that was safe. Yeah. So, you know, to, to really connect to what that was like for the boy. And then yeah. the, the last piece is anger towards dad. As much as I hear you wanting to protect him, and I get it wholeheartedly, I can feel the anger underneath that because you have a son. And I know you'd be pissed at yourself If your wife passed away and you weren't, you didn't do everything in your power to spend every waking moment with your boy and check in with him and make sure that he was okay. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's it like to hear those things? Just sort of make a statement about what you're experiencing as we... They they feel very right. The other thing it makes me think a bit about, and that again, back to something you said, and that is that feeling of safety. Um, which might, might go back to the dislodging of the attachment and that bedrock, right? And just never feeling safe. And so the way I've dealt with it has not served me for sure, avoided and stuff like that. So that, that's just another thing that comes up. It's very highly related, but it's, it's another big thing that, that uh, sort of makes me think of. So, yeah. Well, do you mind if I just say something about that? Please. You know, I want to just reinforce that you, you, you know, I know a little bit about you and you are a very good man. Like you're a good man and a good I husband try. and a good father. I know, I know you do. I know you do. And you, you really are. And you, like, you've been through a lot. You, what you experienced as a boy, some people just never come out of that, my friend. And, I, and I'll tell you, that is a big worry that I have. Mm what you just said. I try as I might, I do the things, but I'm always pulled back and will I ever get out of this? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Huge worry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what I'm really trying to say is you've done an exceptional job. You've done an exceptional job and it might not feel like that sometimes. And, you know, you might have a predilection towards looking for the evidence to counter that. But... Mm-hmm. I, I would say you've done an exceptional job. As far as I know, you know, you haven't fallen under the, the bus of addiction. Y- no. You have managed to keep your family together for a long time. You provide mm-hmm. for your family. And albeit maybe it's not the way that you want sometimes and it, it's stressful and there's conflict. You have done an exceptional, yeah. exceptional job. And so I'm going to take a right turn. And I just want you to close the eyes Take a nice deep inhale. You don't need to respond yet, but just notice 
your internal experience, as I was saying what I was saying, complimenting you. (laughs) And just see if you can make some type of contact with mom, energetically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, whatever, however feels natural for you. Yeah. And take another breath and make a statement about what it's like to be in contact with her. Awesome. Reassuring, filled with direction and um, filled with opportunity and potential. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's a lot. So yeah. stay there, take another breath. Now, and I'm just going to walk you through a little something. And all I would like for you to do is just see if you can give yourself permission to to let whatever comes up come up as naturally as possible. You don't need to fight it. You don't need to push it down. You don't need to protect me from anything that you're feeling. And because I think I just, and maybe I'm wrong, but you tell me, but it seemed like some pretty big emotions were coming up there and maybe just reeled it in a bit. Is that right? I'm not sure. You know, it, it's hard to remember her. Uh-huh. Um, and, and there is one particular thing that happened that I remember more than anything. Actually, I don't. Um, just been real quickly. So she was a school teacher and she, she took me to school. I think it was four and a half or something. Mm. Um, she took me, she was like a professor. It was like a minor at college, but it was in college. She took me to school one day and I remember all these, you know, students, college students, which seemed almost like adults to me coming up to her with fondness, you know, how are you doing? This is, you know, and just kind of being proud and holding her hand and feeling like there was direction and she was professional and like all the things that my dad wasn't. So, so I know that helps me, but that, that, that's what I have in my head. So I don't feel, so my answer to your question of the comfort and direction, I've never thought of that much. Mm. And so I'm visualizing that experience. And those are the feelings that are coming to mind. It's all positive. Mm -hmm you know, and good things. And I think also there's grief because I, all of those great things I never really got to experience because then she was gone when I probably needed her most. And then I was stuck with this guy that kind of didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, pause, I pause mean, there. sounds a little harsh. Pause but- there. Take another breath. So just stay in contact with her for a moment. So see if you can say some of that to her. Specifically, you were gone. When I needed you most. Yeah. You left. You looked less my life just when I probably needed you most. And my life changed for the worse. And I was always on shaky ground after that. Yeah, another breath. Doing great. So tell her what it was like for you as a boy after she passed. Unstable, always worried, always anxious, not quite fitting in, avoidant, always in search of something more and never quite being able to grasp it mm-hmm. and just kind of being directionless. Yeah, another breath. So what parts of your life died with her? The one that comes in my mind is sounds very sad, but love. Yeah. 
just stay there. It's been very hard for me to love anything, to love myself or other people. Because it, it, it feels like that was taken. So just in your own words, take another breath. And just say that to her in your own way. When you left. When you left, you took my ability to love away. Yeah, I felt like my ability to be loved and give love died with you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially thing, people that are meaningful. You know, I can love a dog and feel deep love for the dog. Obviously, that's not at the level of truth of meaningful relations with people. And so I've always had that little bit of distance, a little bit, not quite able to go there. So just, again, keep breathing, doing a great job, and just see if you can bring some of your awareness down into your chest and just softening around the front of your chest and the back connecting to your core. And if you're okay with it, what I'd like for you to do is tell her exactly what it was like the moment that you found out. Tell her as, in as much detail as you want what you remember. And, so it's just, and you can say, Mom, when I found out that you had died, what, what was happening was... Mom, when I found out that you had died... I separated from myself. I was a different person. And I was never the same. When I think about it and, you know, the tears, it was, it was like an explosion. Mm. It was like, yeah, as I said, like a part of me died. It was so abrupt and so unexpected and so jarring. I don't think I thought at that time, I didn't think about my relationship with my mom. I was six years old, but clearly there was such a, there was a a connection and all those things that were just severed. And so it was, um, it was like a little explosion. Yeah. The breath and say what it's like to tell her some of this. Well, it's difficult. Um, it's, it's, in some ways it feels good to kind of get it out. Um, but at the same time, it makes me very grateful. That's a word that I don't think I ever really did have love or feel love. And it makes me feel sorry for myself, Mm. which I hate that feeling, Mm -hmm. but you know, well, you can have sorrow for the boy, you know, I will just see if you can stay with that. And again, imagine for a moment that your wife passed tomorrow and your son was all of a sudden left without a mother. The grief and the pain and the anguish that he would probably feel. And so there is sorrow there. And, you know, some of it I'm sure is for you as an adult, but the majority of it is for that boy who actually didn't get somebody to say, it's okay that you're sad. And it's okay to cry that your mom right. has passed and it's okay to miss her yeah. and it's okay to be yeah. angry and bitter and really deeply sad and sorrowful because that's, that's the truth. That's what happened. So when you're ready, just notice what mom would want to say to you right now. If she was in on this conversation, 
What would she be saying back to you? What mom would say back to me? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> she would probably be sad as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'd probably cry with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine my, again, thinking about my wife. And, uh, you know, she was a pretty put together person, from what I remember, but I think she would have been fearful for me in my life, given that she's not going to be in my life anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she would have provided you with the place and the space to grieve normally. Yeah. To let yourself be sad about the hardship of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a couple of things. Some of the breath just stay with the yeah, with your core. I just really want you to feel a connection to your abdomen and your and your chest. One is much like when we've had a conversation or two about this in the past, you're gonna feel pretty emotionally raw after we end this conversation. Okay. And you're probably going to feel like that for the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours. So that might even be a little bit of like a, call it the emotional hangover Mm -hmm. tomorrow morning, right? We're going to feel heavy and tired. That's okay. That's normal. That's one piece. Second is I just want you to say what it was like to connect with her for a little bit and to express some of those things. It was nice. I mean, it was, um, it gave me a little for, you know, a couple of seconds, you know, gave me a little comfort Mm -hmm. that. Somebody like that, again, I think part of it is a little bit of fantasy because I don't remember a lot, but at least I have some thoughts and memories that might not be accurate, but it almost doesn't matter, you know? And what I remember was, um, again, positive influence. Um, And that's kind of what makes this whole thing that much harder. Mm -hmm. You know, if she was abusive in some ways, I know there are other issues there, it would have been quote unquote easier, but, but I think she was a pretty darn good provider and, and, and mentor and all of those and mother and all those things. So it feels good to be connected to that thing, even though I, it, it weirdly, I can't completely relate to it cause it feels a little foreign mm-hmm. cause I don't know, I'm, I'm, I know I might be imagining some of these things, but, but that's okay. You know, it's more the mother figure than anything. Well, stay with the experience over whether or not the memories yeah. and the images are accurate. Yeah. Stay with the experience because mm-hmm. that's the part that developmentally was imprinted on you. Yeah. The memories and the, and the images, all that's kind of like a bonus. Mm-hmm. The real crux of it is the experience of what it, what it actually felt like to be around yeah. her. And that is, you know, oftentimes pre-verbal underneath the memory, yeah. underneath the image. And that's the part I want you to connect to. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you with two questions to write about, and then we'll find a time for our next conversation, okay? So number one, I want you to journal about what you experienced or what you feel being in contact with her. So just write about that and see if you can maintain that contact. So like once a day for the next week or two. I want you to just find a few minutes to make contact with her, mm-hmm. just like we did in this exercise. Okay. And kind of take a somatic screenshot. That's how I've been calling it lately. A, a somatic screenshot, like a body screenshot of what's happening in your body. Because like you said, that safety in the world 
died with her. And you can reconnect to it. You can build it in your own life. And one of the ways is making contact with her because you were just able to do it, right? In that moment, you're like, oh, I feel safe. I feel comforted. You know, I feel like there's direction and clarity. Like all these things all of a sudden came right back into your system. There they were. So they haven't gone, gone. They're there. We just have to reconnect to Mm -hmm. them. So that's one part. Mm -hmm. The second question that I want you to get into is what's the connection between my mom's death, my mom's passing, and my feeling of inadequacy and helplessness? What's the connection? And I want that to be an ongoing journaling for the next week or so. Definitely dig in return to it. You might have thoughts sort of spring up during the day while you're working or you know, talking to a friend or your wife. Just see if you can write as much down as humanly possible. You might make some connections as you go along. So not just like a one-off, sit down for 10 minutes and journal. I want this to be an ongoing question that you're, you're really allowing to sort of ruminate within. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, comments, or questions for me? Just the last one. So that the last one. So I assume I shouldn't bring my my father into it yet. No, I okay. mean if if there's something that comes up naturally, sure. You know, if there's some pieces that you know that that have to do with him, sure, write them down. It's it, like that information is not going to be bad, but I really want the focus to be on what's the connection between this experience of losing her and my experience of feeling inadequate and and helpless. Okay? okay. Because okay. there's there's some definite tethers in there that I want us to start mm. to weave together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. So okay. we'll book we'll book another time. We'll have part two and then part three. We'll keep okay. navigating through this. If you need anything, email me. Um, I might, but but this is good homework. Yep. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say one thing and then we'll we'll wrap up. Oftentimes when we have this type of loss as children, it's Precognitive. And what I mean by precognitive is it's not rational. It doesn't make sense to us as kids. And the consequences can vary. You know, can the, the impact of that can vary dramatically, you know, how each individual deals with that. But it's a non-rational thing. And I think in some ways, my friend, you've been looking for a like cognitive answer to what the hell is going on in my life? How do I fix some of these problems? And part of the answer is that it's not to be found in logic or rationality. It's actually to be found in letting yourself experience the grief and the weight that you didn't have a place, that didn't have a place in your life when, when all of this happened. So that's what I mean about pre-verbal, allowing yourself to feel that grief. And so it might pop up in the next week or two. Okay. And, you know, it might be worthwhile bringing your wife into the conversation at some point to let her know what you and I are talking about and exploring. Rather than keeping her outside of this conversation, I think it's probably time to bring her in to let her know, let her in on the game of how hard this has been for you, you know, of how heavy this has been for you. And I know that that probably feels confronting. Yeah. (laughs) I can see that on your face. You're like, I'm sorry, pardon. And look, if you don't feel like doing that yet, I understand, but please know that that is, that is going to be a part of it because it's part of rebuilding the trust with, 
feminine. It's part of rebuilding the trust with your attachments that they're safe. It's it's a huge part of the work. Okay. All right, my friend. Okay. Good to see you. Okay. We'll see you again you soon. Too. For everyone yep. that's tuning in, stay tuned for part two and part three. And um, and uh, yeah, don't forget to share these conversations because they are very important for a lot, a lot of people. So we'll see you all next week. 